Every time I read and study the account of the crucifixion of Jesus, I am moved by its pathos and the tragedy of it all, that the most beautiful person who has ever lived, their life was smashed on a Roman cross. In that terrible event and all that led up to it, we see the horrifying reality of what, of what the dark side of human nature can do. If you just read the accounts in the Gospels, you could be forgiven for thinking that it all happened in 15 minutes, but in fact it took six hours. On what we call Good Friday, Jesus was nailed to the cross at 9am in the morning. He uttered three statements and then darkness like a huge blanket fell at midday and there was silence until 3pm in the afternoon. Then just before he died, the Lord Jesus uttered four more statements. Historians tell us that it was not uncommon for someone dying of crucifixion to utter the most profane language imaginable. It is as though the foulest of language is an expression of the foulest of deaths. For no one ever survived crucifixion. There was no such thing as living through it. Inevitably, death would come. But our Lord did not say one vile thing in response to the verbal abuse that was hurled at him from the soldiers, from the religious leaders, and from the people. Isaiah tells us that like a sheep before its shear is silent, so was Jesus. He made seven statements from the cross, the fourth of which was the cry of dereliction. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Someone has well said that this is the most staggering sentence ever uttered. Had we been there in the silence and the darkness between the sixth and the ninth hour, that statement of anguish would have struck us with overwhelming power. There are three, three things about this statement that get my attention. The first is this. Jesus screamed this statement which is not true of the other six, but it is certainly true of this one. Matthew 27 and verse 45. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Greek word behind cried out means to shout 
or to scream. It's often used in the scriptures for a guttural scream. It is also used for a lion roaring. Psalm 22 and verse 1 uses the word and renders it a roar. Just for the record, Psalm 22 is one of the most vivid descriptions of Jesus on the cross, written 1,000 years before the event. Look what it says. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a piece of pottery and my tongue clings to my jaws and you lay me in the dust of death. And then that statement from Psalm 22 and verse 1 which Jesus took upon his lips My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my help are the words of my groaning or roaring. Also, the way Matthew writes it, it speaks of an abrupt outburst of agony. Just picture it. There you are in that thick darkness and everything is quiet. And then without warning, there is this scream by Jesus from the cross, it would have been unnerving to say the least. The scream was loud because the agony was great, was monstrous, as Jesus took the wrath of our sins upon himself. The second thing that gets my attention is the statement is given to us exactly as Jesus said it. Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. Notice the entire sentence is given to us in another language. The rest of the text is in Greek, but this is in Aramaic, because that was the language of first century Palestine. Why has that been preserved? Even in English translations, it's still preserved in Aramaic. Well, I put it to you that God has overseen so that this would have a double impact upon us. So to understand the terrible nature of what was happening to Jesus on the cross. Because it was only the Aramaic that could carry the depth of feeling and agony that Jesus endured. Over the years, it's been my privilege to pray with people from other lands. And as we've prayed, and they have prayed in English as a second language, and as they have struggled to find words to fit what they want to say. 
But then when I listen to them pray in their own language, their mother tongue, there is a passion. There's an urgency. There's a depth. Even though I don't understand what they're saying, I, I, I pick up where they're coming from. That's why it was here in Aramaic. That was the mother tongue of Jesus. And it was only Aramaic that could capture the depth of feeling that Jesus had at that time. The third thing that gets my attention is this. The statement reveals that there was a distance or an estrangement between God the Father and God the Son. We know this because Jesus addressed God as Father twice on the cross. Father. But here he addresses him as God. This is the only time that he calls him God. It would be like my son coming after me and calling me Mr. That would suggest that there is something wrong or there is a problem in our relationship. The fact that Jesus used the word God and not Father shows to us that there was a distance and an estrangement as though the Father is removed from him, which in fact was the case. So he cried out as man, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In Proverbs chapter 8 is personified and many believe, oh, sorry, is wisdom personified and many believe it is the picture of Jesus who was daily the delight of his father. Jesus had never ever known a time in eternity past when he was not the father's delight. But now, on that cross, that was not the case. They had never known a time before when their fellowship was broken. But it was then. As Jesus in the darkness bore our sins, there was a rupture in the fellowship of the Godhead. Also, the word forsaken tells us there was alienation. Why? Why have you forsaken me, God? And the word forsaken there is the same word that Paul used when he refers to Demas, who had forsaken him because his love for the then present world. At one time, Demas had been his fellow worker and his companion of Paul. But now, Paul says, he's abandoned me for the world. That's the word that's used here of the Father. Jesus is saying, he has forsaken me. I'm alone. So that raises the question, 
Why did the Father forsake him? And the answer is found in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who knew no sin. That is, in Jesus, there had never been an evil thought. There had never been an evil word from his mouth. There had never been an evil deed done in his life. He had no sin. But he was made to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The thought is this. That Jesus, sinless in himself, was treated as a sinner. Treated as one of us who have sinned. And bore the wrath of God upon himself for that sin. He was literally a sin offering and took upon himself the crushing weight of the evil of the world so that we now, by faith in him, in what he did on the cross, are given a righteousness that is not our own. And then... Because of the presence of his Holy Spirit, we can be righteous like him. The great theologian Athanasius said, he became one of us that we might become like him. It was during those hours of darkness that the wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus. And therefore, because God is holy, Pure in every respect. At that very moment he could have absolutely nothing to do with his son. He had to to walk away. I don't know how God could turn his back on God. Like so much else about the Trinity, it is a mystery. But that is exactly what happened. So that Jesus became the only person who God has forsaken. God forsook Jesus in those three hours so that he will never have to forsake us. I close with this song and commend it to you. It was alone the Saviour prayed in dark Gethsemane. Alone he drained the bitter cup and suffered there for me. Alone, alone, he bore it all alone. He gave himself to save his own. He suffered, bled and died alone. It was alone the Saviour stood in Pilate's judgment hall. Alone the crown of thorns he wore, forsaken thus by all. Alone upon the cross he hung, that others he might save. Forsaken then by God and man, alone his life 
he gave. Can you reject such matchless love? Can you his claim disown? Come, give all your all in gratitude, nor leave him thus alone.